we're back. Hey, hey. How's it going? What's new? It's good. Um, we actually just saw a bear off of our back deck before before recording. Um, it was like it was a little one. We've seen a couple, but this one was definitely smaller than the last one. But oh, but he's cute. This is a new bear. I think so. I thought it was a revisit from the same bear. No, the last one we saw was was pretty big and actually had a, like a little bit of a hurt paw. It was limping a little bit, and this one, this one was a lot smaller, and it, it ran off when our dogs started barking at it. The other one did not care at our dogs. Oh my barking. gosh! <laughs> oh my god! What's new with you? We also have a bear, uh, not in my house or yard, but. In the city of Washington, D.C., there's been a black bear roaming. It's, like, made all the local news, and people are getting very stressed out. Uh, it, it was up a tree, like, over the weekend, and there was, like, a whole crowd of people. They had to call the National Zoo to try to come get it. I don't know how that situation oh, ended, wow. but there has been a bear <laughs> wandering around. Aww. And I'm a little sad I haven't been able to see it, but excited. It's June. It's summer. It's time to get outside. It might be July by the time we publish this, but... It's backpacking season. Favorite time of year, backpacking season. Yes. Um. Yeah. Should we get into it? Yeah. Let's do it. Let's talk about Georgia. All right. Yeah. Let's do it. Okay. So, tell us about Georgia. What was Georgia like? Georgia. Um, Georgia was a lot like the first day of school. Um, you're really nervous. You're like dressed in your new backpacking clothes with your new gear and everyone's showing up at the visitor center to get a overview from the park rangers on what to do, what not to do, scared of doing something wrong. (laughs) And just, yeah, overall, a lot of unknown, not really sure what to expect. And then Georgia just gives you Maybe not all of your firsts for through hiking, but gives you a lot of firsts. Um, at least for me, it was my first trail magic. Yeah, my first mouse on trail, my first snow. It was a really good time. I, Georgia gets some hate, I think, um, sometimes, but but I really enjoyed it. Your first mouse, you said. How many mouse were there total? Like, do you, what are your stats? First, first, I should specify first shelter mouse. Oh, I don't know what the stat is. It's got to be like. I don't know. I mean, 20, okay, 20 plus mice, bad, I would you know, think. Yeah. Normal stuff. I like the first day of school comparison. Like, everybody's kind of not sure. Did you make, like, did you kind of group up quickly or was it crowded when you started and you kind of just, like, stayed with those people or what was that like? It was crowded at the shelters. It wasn't crowded, like, when I first started hiking, but it was crowded at the shelters and I did like run into a couple people on the start of my hike and everybody that I was hiking around was doing fairly low mileage days. So we all kind of had the same plans of where we were going. So I did stick around the same couple people for the first few days, which was really fun. And how long, like how long does Georgia take? Um, yeah, so Georgia's about 76 miles and I think I spent about seven or eight days. I think it was about seven, seven days in Georgia. And so my my average there was around like 11, 12 miles a day. I think my my biggest day was 17 miles and then my, my shortest day was about five. And that was a day that 
woke up, I had like two cups of coffee and hiked five miles to a hostel after um, experiencing actually probably the longest downpour slash steady rain that I experienced on my whole through hike was on day two. So oh my gosh. <laughs> That's terrible. <laughs> yeah. I remember like getting to the shelter after, you know, 13 miles or 10 miles in this downpour and the shelter was totally full. There weren't, there weren't a ton of 10 spots. I was able to get one because I, I got in a little bit earlier yeah, and there were like puddles all around my tent. I was sopping wet and I just remember laying in my tent thinking like, what in the world have I gotten myself into? Um, oh my gosh. But the rain stopped and we had a fire and yeah, because there were a bunch of people, it was it was fun. It was neat to talk to people and hear why everybody was out there. It, was, it ended up being a really great, great evening. So was that like... I don't know. Worst night in Georgia. What was your best and worst experiences there? Um, even so, even the worst air quotes worst experiences. Um, I think I kind of enjoyed in some way. Like they make for a good story. Um, and they were memorable because we made it through them. You know, she's such a type two fun lady. <laughs> I think. Another tougher experience, um, or another tough experience was. The just the cold. There was one day where it was fun the night before because it started flurrying a little bit while we were having a fire, and it was just felt really cozy. That was actually maybe one of one of my favorite nights on trail around the fire with the snow, and it was people that I'd kind of gotten to know over the past couple of days. We did end up getting snow that night. I think it was I don't know it was like one to two inches. It was not a ton of snow, but the next morning was really cold and windy and I had slept on kind of a slant which was my fault I think I was like one of the first tents to set up and I picked a slant spot (laughs) and it was really cold it was beautiful through the snow really enjoyed that just really chilly and um, I think it was snowing a little bit in the morning as well and I in my efforts to be ultralight I I really had only packed like shorts that I was going to wear hiking and then um, some fleece leggings for sleeping and then my frog togs rain pants. So so the legs were a little chilly. <laughs> I'm pretty sure for my top, I was wearing like my hiking t-shirt and my mid-layer, like just a Patagonia R1 and my puffy jacket and my raincoat on top of that because it was snowing Gosh. and I was chilled. <laughs> I respect the ultralight decision, but it does have its drawbacks at certain times. It's a learning experience, for sure. I, I later on bought a pair of sweatpants at Walmart and uh, and carried those. Nice. I like to picture, like, you know, you've got, like, your thousands of dollars of backpacking gear and then your Walmart sweatpants. Yes, that is... Uh... That is definitely how my gear evolved, was from um, a lot of research and rather expensive into useful accessible fun (laughs) nice i like it i can't wait to like dive in on gear um and all that stuff but so i know when you started obviously because we're a little close (laughs) um but just for like the benefit of everybody listening when was your start date and like how did you choose it 
Yeah, so I started in early April and I really chose that based off of my my work schedule and what worked best there. I honestly, without, if I didn't have to consider work, I probably would have started sooner because I was just really excited to be out there. And I was definitely in February, like watching people's YouTube videos that were already out there thinking, like, man, that could be me right now. But overall, I am really glad that I waited because... I did experience, I think, less bad weather than some of the people that started earlier, and I generally do not enjoy the cold. I would prefer to be hot than cold. So I think I did make the the right decision for for myself. And so you kind of touched on this, but like, yeah, does starting earlier have any advantages? Like, if it's so cold, why do people start in February? That seems crazy. For some people, I think really genuinely like hiking in the cold. Like they prefer to hike in the cold. They'd maybe rather be done instead of hiking through the mid-Atlantic in the middle of summer. You know, they want to be in New England wrapping things up. But if you start early, you also have more time to finish. So you know, typically, like we talked about, Katahdin closes around October 15th. So the earlier you start, the more time you have to to get there. In a normal year, there are less people that start in February because of the weather. So you could kind of stay ahead of the bubble. It might be a little easier to get into hostels. Um, But I think actually in my year, looking at the AT Camp site, um, there were a lot of people that started at the end of February. So... Definitely something to check for your specific start year. I don't think I could start in February. I feel like I'm definitely on the, I like would rather be hot and like that mid-Atlantic muggy summer heat. That's fine. Yeah. Growing up in a no AC kind of household, really feel prepared for that. (laughs) Yeah. And I think hiking, hiking in the cold, I don't hate. And it is like, I really loved being in Georgia and even North Carolina and seeing through the trees before they had leaves on them. Like that was really cool because you get more views than you would if it was a, you know, a green tunnel, say you were starting in May or something like that. And hiking I think is okay, but as soon as you stop to like eat a snack or set up your tent or anything like that, ugh, that, mm-hmm. that's where the cold I think really starts to bother me. I really, I mean, not from a through hike, but the one year I went backpacking over my birthday, which is in February in mm-hmm. Virginia. And it was beautiful, but, like, if I was not moving, I was not happy. Um, and also my stove didn't work, so oh, that definitely no. made it worse. <laughs> um, I was, like, eating, like, half-made minute rice. Uh, like, you know, crunchy. it's still a little crunchy. Yeah. It's good stuff. Um, yeah, and then I got, like, weird semi-frostbite on my toes. Um, so, yeah, winter backpacking, it's definitely for some people. I prefer a winter day hike where I can get into a warm car at the end. Amen. How did you, like, prepare before you even started, before you even, like, set foot on the trail in Georgia? And how long did it take you to plan? Um, Physically, I prepared by running. I enjoyed running before that. Julia, you know that. We've run couple races together we were on occasionally (laughs) um and then I did something that was new to me is um I did start working out in a gym and lifting my husband was really awesome in helping me come up with a workout program that would target what I thought I would need in a through hike so I did I had like kind of four sets of workouts like one day it was legs and biceps I had core and shoulders 
legs and back and core and calves. And I started in February, so I had February, March, April, about three months. Wish I'd maybe started a little bit sooner <laughs> looking back on it. But I think I I didn't really experience any like any major injuries on trail. And I think the like the combination of strength training and running probably gave me a leg up there. Mentally, man, I just I just obsessed over the AT. I've watched all the YouTube videos read different threads on reddit read books and yeah i was just super into it and i'm not sure that's maybe the best way to prepare because you know it might not meet your expectations but it worked out for me i i didn't feel disappointed in any aspect once i was out there overall in terms of like gear research and just like telling friends and family and trying to envision how my life is going to change i think it took me about a year or I was started planning a year. I don't know that you have to have a year to prep for it. I think, you know, you could decide in a week that you want to do it and you could make it happen. But but I definitely spaced out my my obsessing and my research and and prep over yeah, roughly a year. It gives you time to like, you know, really dive into it and like that's like a hobby for a whole year is planning your hike. Yes. Um, I mean, I'm starting a podcast over it, so I can't judge. A year is a good amount of time. <laughs> it's good to obsess. So, like, when you started early on, did it, how long did it take you to sort of get your on-trail routine going? Um, and what did that look like for you? My first two weeks on trail felt like a lifetime. And maybe it was, it was just my memory, but I think it was because it was so many new things. Everything felt monumental. So I think maybe after about a week, I started falling into more of a routine. And then by two weeks, I definitely had my solid routine of like, you know, this is how I generally do things. So I wake up pretty early. I liked waking up around six to seven, sometimes 7.30 or eight. I was up late the night before. I did give up on making my coffee unless it was like special occasions. I was all about being efficient in the mornings. I didn't really use any like stuff sacks. I just used a compactor bag and I would just shove everything into my bag and just get out of camp, eat my pop tart, just get going as soon as I could. I did not brush my teeth in the morning. Oh my God. <laughs> um, I just brushed them at night. And I remember like I had, I'd packed um, like sleeping clothes and I totally, I think I changed my fleece leggings like twice. And then I was like, this is, this is too many steps for me. I just slept in the clothes I was hiking in, which I know is common practice, I think for, um, for a good number of through hikers. So I'm not, I'm not the only gross one out there. Not the only, only (laughs) disgusting person. (laughs) But yeah, it was just, it was efficient and it was really nice. Um, Yeah. It's almost like you're a, like you're a kid again and there's no rules and it doesn't really matter what you do in terms of how you smell or what you're eating. So yeah, I, I fully embrace that. Second breakfast, snacks, lunch, second lunch, dinner, hanging out at the shelter. That was, I think, I didn't actually 
start sleeping in shelters until North Carolina, but even just like sitting in the shelter and um, like chatting with people and having fires. That was uh, one of my favorite parts of my end of the day routine. So you've once you've got your routine, um, you're making friends, you're fitting in, it's middle school, you're going into your cliques. I don't know. I don't remember what middle school was like, but that's what I'm picturing first day of school. You're like, you showed up, you brought your cutest outfit, your best ultralight backpack, and your trekking poles, and you are out on the trail. What did you miss about regular life? I really missed um, my friends and uh, my husband and my dogs and my family. I missed you, Julia. That's a lot. <laughs> I did miss you, but I think it wasn't a debilitating type of missing because like we talked about um, in the earlier episode, you can still stay stay in touch with people. That is very doable. I really missed cotton shirts. It is tough to stay in connection with cotton shirts when you are hiking in a very wet environment. I did later just start carrying a cotton shirt because I missed one so much. I missed real pillows. That is just, yeah, the the quality sleep that I get on an inflatable pillow or no pillow just doesn't doesn't quite match mm. the real pillow. A real pillow with a cotton sheet on it, maybe even crazier. Oh wow, that was yeah, that would just blow my <laughs> Too much mind. Luxury. Oh yeah, just give me a cotton t-shirt. That's all I need. And then, oh man, this is so basic. I've really missed like skincare, <laughs> like just just putting some moisturizer on my skin, which is so silly. Like I could have carried some moisturizer, like that is not out of the realm of possibility. And I think I probably will on my future through hikes. Gotta give yourself those like little luxuries. <laughs> For sure. For sure. Cool. So anything else you want to add for your Georgia starting off, fond memories, shout outs before we head into our like trail topic of the week, which is weather? I do want to say that, so I had my first trail magic in Georgia, which was awesome. That was King Tut, really great experience. And then one of my other most memorable trail magics was also in Georgia, and that was during the snowy hiking after like I don't know nine or ten miles we walked down into a gap and it was so cold and windy and um, there were some people set up cooking Filipino food in like a wok on a propane burner like and it smelled amazing it tasted amazing they were so kind it was really fun talking with them and it just hit the spot that was a great great Georgia memory that sounds amazing even like right now I would kill for that <laughs> right yeah that was a yeah I would definitely eat that off trail too for sure um so then on trail it was just yeah mind-blowing that's amazing wow yeah Georgia really set the bar high like right off the bat it seems like so yeah again like we've kind of touched on this we did theme these according to what would be top of mind for these states but today's like sort of topic that we're going to dig a little deeper on is weather so just off the bat what was the worst weather that you faced on the whole trail on the whole trail was probably in the smoky mountains it was like not quite cold enough to snow the night before but it was really rainy super muddy and then overnight it got really cold like woke up to 
frozen shoes and I had, I think I put on my wet socks, my friend that I was hiking with at that point, we, we had this idea that we should like save our other socks, our dry socks. And if we put them on in the morning into frozen shoes, they would also just get wet. Maybe the moral of the story is we should have brought more socks, but anyway, so like put on wet socks and putting on these frozen shoes, which I didn't really prep them well. They were like still in like regular shoe position where you're supposed to really pop the tongue up so you can slip your foot in. Otherwise, you just can't fit your foot because they're frozen. So you have to put your feet on top to melt them, then put your feet in. So um, that was just cold. And then the hiking was beautiful. It was really icy and snowy everywhere because we were getting a little bit higher in elevation. I think we were up over 5,000 feet. And yeah, it was beautiful. It was just, it was really cold. <laughs> um, and everything was still kind of wet and frozen slash kind of starting to thaw out from the night before. So yeah, that was probably my worst weather, which still isn't terrible. We survived it. The way you talked about the frozen shoes, that's like, there's a strategy around There that. is. That's like, it's got a guidebook. It does. How did you learn that? I learned after I didn't do it and talking to people, they were like, oh yeah, you, you should, we should have all done this. We should have all propped our, our tongue up um, on our shoes. Yeah. So I think I've also heard of some people maybe like putting their shoes in a, like an extra grocery bag and actually sleeping with them in their tent or sorry, in their tent, in their sleeping bag to keep them warm so they don't freeze. I think you just really got to make sure that that grocery bag doesn't have a hole in it anywhere because, oh, you just don't want that, yeah, wet shoes getting all over your, your down if you have a down sleeping bag or quilt. Oh my gosh. But yeah, or in the Smokies, there are fireplaces in a lot of the shelters. I did try to put my shoes close to the fireplace, but obviously the fire's not going all night, so that only... Only helped dry them out maybe a smidge before before the fire went out and we went to bed. Yeah, definitely want to like loosen all your laces, pop the tongue up, make sure you have enough room to fit your foot in so that you can thaw your shoe rather than having to thaw it by putting your feet on top. <laughs> this is like so something I've heard and tested, but like I do it, but I don't know if it's actually like you're supposed to with like wet clothes and wet socks is that if you wear them to sleep, they'll dry off faster. Is that real? So that is what um, my hiking partner and I tried. Maybe, I think I like, he might have actually left his on all night to do that. I think I started to, and then I was like, I just can't keep these cold, wet socks on my feet any longer. I need to take them off. So I think it might be true to help them dry but the risk that you run there is one, your feet are just really cold and you can't fall asleep. And two, that your feet don't really get a chance to dry out or they're just a lot wet, like wetter longer or wet longer. And that can lead to all sorts of kind of gross feet things that you don't want to deal with, like your trench foot and um, I know what happened to your foot. They're all yeah. going to find out next episode. We're talking about your feet. <laughs> they get a little gross. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't know that I endorse that, that method, but definitely something to consider if you really want to have dry socks. You can't go about it that way. 
You can also take them off, keep them in your sleeping bag, and maybe not wear them to let your feet dry out. I don't know why, but I've left them on my feet, and I just put them in the bag with you. <laughs> well, did your feet get, like, pruny and gross when you did that, or did it work out? How'd it go? I mean, I think, so I don't, I've tried it with, like, a bunch of different clothes. The one that I think it's really worked well for me with before is leggings. Like, with, like, winter type of backpacking, if it's rainy, and then I just keep my, like, tights on and sleep in them. And I feel like that works because they're, like, next to, like, your quads and, like, all the big muscles that get really hot. But when I've done it with my socks, they don't get all the way dry even. And, yes, my feet did stay pruny. So I don't know if the – maybe it's worth it if you have, like, a different item of clothing, but socks just seems like – why did I leave them on my feet? I couldn't just put them in the bag. The things I wish I'd known. Yeah. Um, so how did you like kind of evaluate or like stay up to date on the weather? Did you check the forecasts or were you just like living by the moment? Mostly checked the forecasts early on when it was colder. So that's where I was most concerned. And because the weather in town is not usually the same as the weather in the mountains, uh, I used atweather.org. It's a great website where you can put in the state and the shelter that you're closest to. You have to have service to do this, but it will give you like a, a breakdown of the weather tonight, tomorrow, precipitation, highs and lows. And I thought that was really helpful and definitely more accurate than whatever town you were closest to looking at the weather there. And then also just listening to, I don't know, listening to the the folks that live around there. It was interesting. There was no snow in the forecast for the one night in Georgia. And I was pretty sure I was like, oh, there's no snow in the forecast. Like we're not, we're not going to get any. And there were a couple older gentlemen that were like, oh, yeah, it's going to snow tonight. <laughs> I was like, okay. And sure enough, it, it snowed. So, um, yeah, don't don't discount the people that uh, that live in the area. They, they usually know what's going on when it comes to weather. Um, but, yeah, atweather.org, great site. Do you think those men, like, were they doing witchcraft in the woods? Did they make it snow? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. You know, I hadn't considered that. But uh, be on the lookout. It's a possibility. Um, yeah, speaking of, I know we're kind of jumping back a little bit to Georgia. What was like the, I don't know, like the towny local people like going through there? Because I feel like no shade to Georgia or anyone who lives there, but like my preconceived prejudice about it is like it's, it's kind of scary and full of hillbillies. <laughs> I mean, I. You could argue that the whole Appalachian Trail is full of hillbillies and that us us through hikers are some hillbillies too. But I actually only really stopped in in Helen, Georgia, which I think is an anomaly. That town is like a sister city to somewhere in Bavaria, and their whole town is modeled after Bavarian architecture and food, and it's like a bit of a touristy place. So I don't know that I met a bunch of actual locals there, except for a couple people. That's not true. The two people I think that gave um, gave us hitches were locals, and they were super nice and friendly. But most of the people in Helen were were tourists, so I don't know that I got a great feel 
for Georgia in general. But yeah, Helen was super interesting. <laughs> Just really funny to be in Georgia and see a bunch of Bavarian everything. I would not have guessed that. I did not know where that story was going, but I did not think it was like, oh yeah, Bavarian tourist town mm-hmm. off the AT in Georgia. Yep. In Helen. Helen, Georgia, everybody. All right. Well, would you recommend other hikers stop in Helen? Do you um, enjoy your time there? I don't think so. It's a, it's certainly, <laughs> it's a, it's like something to see and to do, but it is because it's a little bit touristy. I think it's maybe a little bit more expensive and a little bit tougher to get a hitch because it's like people there on their vacation and they might not know what the Appalachian Trail is or what, what people are doing. But yeah, it wasn't wasn't a terrible experience. We were so excited to be in the hotel there that we showed up and they were like, oh, we still need to like, you know, clean up that room and like turn it over, vacuum the floors. And we were like, we don't, we don't even care. Just like, we'll take it however it is. Like, you don't need a vacuum. And we just went on in. Yeah. Yeah. I give Helen a fair rating. I would say it was fair. The Bavarian take was, it was interesting. Um, yeah, it was an experience. The people of Helen are, they, they committed, they're doing something and they, they're doing it. So I, you touched on this a little bit with your shorts, uh, and your fleece legging situation. What tips do you have to stay warm in that cold environment, especially early on in the trail in the Southern Appalachians, uh, if you are doing a northbound through hike? Hot hands are always good. Pants or sweatpants or <laughs> leggings that you're actually going to put it's on. Real basic here. Pants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I know some people would bring Nalgene's and pour boiling water or just really hot water into the Nalgene and tuck that into their sleeping bag as a way to warm it up and kind of stay warm throughout the night. I thought that was a really good idea. I did have a pair of fleece socks that I really loved wearing at night. My feet definitely get cold, so I enjoyed those. And then when I was selecting my quilts, I made sure to look at the comfort rating as opposed to the survival rating. I definitely run cold when I'm sleeping, and I wanted to be comfortable. I did not want to be miserable on this trip, so I think that that definitely helped me out. I was glad that I chose something that was comfortable down to, to 20 degrees. Did you ever get, like, fully stopped? Like, have to, like, zero or shelter or hole up for any period of time because of the weather? No, it was it was always a choice. And the one time in Georgia, actually, I think, I'm trying to think if there are any other, I'm sure there were other weather-related ones, but they're not sticking out in my mind. I've just got Georgia on the mind. Um, after the Filipino food, the Filipino trail magic, because we'd stopped and sat down and... Some other friends came up behind us and said, hey, we're going to Helen. Like, want to come? I was like, yeah. Like, <laughs> I don't want to keep hiking in this cold. We're about to go up another mountain. I'm definitely going to Helen. But it was never like, you know, there's two feet of snow. You have to get off trail or anything like that. All right. Any other top weather tips? Hot advice for cold times. That was a bad joke. <laughs> hot hands. Get you some hot hands. Good to have as a backup. All right, and our final question, um, this is the start of our tradition of the last question being kind of a more fun, miscellaneous thing. Today, you make the choice, for eternity, would you rather have wet socks or a tiny pebble in your shoe? Mm, I mean, just given our conversation earlier, I've got to go with the tiny pebble all day. I, I don't think I could do wet socks for eternity 
I think my feet would just have an ecosystem that I could not contain and I do not want to participate in. Um, And the tiny pebble, I think you like while you're walking, you could maybe like shift it around to avoid a blister. Yeah, that's what I would have to do. So it's like right okay the pebble now is like right in the middle of your heel and you, you can't, can't move it. it it's just like glued i mean i guess i'm just gonna walk on my tiptoes really change up my gait and force me to be a midfoot striker i don't know i don't know what would you do i don't know because i definitely agree i think wet sock there's like way too many things that are growing there new species could be discovered it would be like just a little bit too gross so i feel like tiny pebble but i also like i hate getting rocks in my shoes that is like i even like running i do not i have no interest in gravel trails and stuff because it is so irritating but i think you're right like the constant wet feet that's like disease and amputation risk yeah whereas the pebble is like oh this kind of hurts maybe i'd super annoying i don't know just get really yeah. thick socks so I can't feel it. There, there you go. You gotta work around the pebble. Yeah, custom shoe that has pebble hole. Uh, I think that might be cheating. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Put your pebble here. I'm gonna wear a pair of, yeah, waterproof dry socks under okay. my wet socks. Yeah, that, so. Okay, fine, fine, fine. <laughs> we can't cater our footwear. I'll just deal with the pebble. Uh, awesome. Well, that is episode two all done we are 76 miles into our journey through the at we've talked georgia and also snow and rain and how to properly prevent your shoes from freezing so anything you want to add before we sign off no nothing to add thanks for chatting thanks everybody for listening in uh if you have questions about anything and everything at and through hike related Feel free to drop those to us on Instagram or send them to our email, howtothroughhikepodcast at gmail.com. Give us a follow on whatever platform you're listening to. Leave us a review. I don't know what all that stuff is yet, but you can do those things and we would super appreciate it. And we will see you next time where we talk North Carolina, Tennessee, and also hygiene and bathrooms. It's going to be a feces-filled fest of an episode. (laughs) Yay. Let's go. All right. Thanks. Bye. Bye.